good evening from Dubai, good afternoon Europe and good morning America and Canada. So we are back with another webinar. Interesting topic, how can brands transition from web two to web three? I searched on Google when deciding on a topic and this showed up. So I thought, let's touch the sweet spot. Let's have a conversation around this. Um, so let's uh, do the intros first. And I guess I'll go first. My name is Sharad Agarwal. I'm the chief metaverse officer of CyberGear. It's a digital agency I started back in 1996. So I've pretty much seen the evolution of the web from web one to web two, and now we are trying to be web three. So it's been an amazing ride, a great journey, and a lot of learnings, which we will all be sharing with you. Uh, I'm going to go to my amazing panelists who are from across the world, different continents. Some are in academia, some are in the commercial world, some are metapreneurs. Uh, so yeah, we have a lot to talk about. Um, uh, note for the audience, uh, do let us know which part of the world you are coming in from. And also I'd like you to rate yourself, you know, on a zero to 10 point scale, where you think you are with your knowledge of Web3. It'll be interesting to note, for example, you are four or six uh, right now. I'd also like to see uh, where you are after 60 minutes, right? So that will be the reality check. And I hope we can take you zero to 10 in 60 minutes flat. That's our challenge and my challenge to the panelists. So let's do the intros. I'll go to Laura Pan first. Laura, please introduce yourself to our audience. I'm Laura Pan. Uh, I'm currently in Malaysia because I'm on my vacation, um, but I'm happy to do this because it's a topic I really, really love. Um, I am actually a professor of international business and luxury strategy, but more recently I've moved towards new technology. Um, I've authored a book and part of that book I talked a little bit about blockchain technology and also connective technology like AI, for example. Um, and I got in touch with Sharad uh, quite recently because I think I've been posting a lot about um, the transition from uh, for luxury companies, particularly from Web 2 to Web 3. Um, and so uh, this is really a topic that I'm super, super interested in. And uh, I would love to kind of talk about it more. Thanks, Laura. Let's go to Dr. Marta. Yeah, thanks a lot. Also, I'm on holidays. I'm in Spain right now. Uh, I'm very happy to join today. And I'm the Dean and Partner of a Metaverse Academy. At the same time, what we do is also real use cases. So we work with companies uh, to exactly what you were talking about, help them to transition from Web 2 to Web 3 and um, bring this all together in a very nice experience. And what we recognize is that a lot of people still don't really understand what it is and how it feels. So we have developed the Metaverse Academy. We had the first cohort in the class, which was very exciting. And we train in the Metaverse. So it's quite different from what you see normally that you have the front-to-front uh, online store in Zoom or in other mediums if people talk about the metaverse. So I think it's very important you have the experience. We also do regular free updates on the metaverse, uh, which you can join in spatial, which I find very interesting. We do that via live stream and in spatial. It's very, very easy to join. So we really would love to um, see you there and also make sure that you have the experience also to talk to other people in the terms of advising them or maybe even for yourself. So we have a lot of company representatives in the education, but we also do tailor-made for special classes on all levels. It's really for everyone everywhere in the metaverse, about the metaverse. So very exciting. My background is I'm uh, 20 years in financial services. So I'm a financial services executive. I've been always in digital transformation innovation and the last two years more towards metaverse. At, uh, I've been at UBS uh, and also at AXA, at Unicredit. So all the big companies you can say, I've also created my own startup and now I'm fully dedicated to Web3 and the metaverse, and it helps me a lot to understand also companies better if they come with the sort of legacy they have and transition from Web2 to Web3. Thank you, Dr. Martha. Uh, let's go to Canada. Janelle, are you also on vacation? I was on vacation, which is why I'm slacking. I don't have the background, and Sharad said I gave him the heebie-jeebies, so 
<laughs> Sorry about the slacking, but uh, Janelle Shaluhi, and I'm in Waterloo, Ontario, which is actually the birthplace of Ethereum. For those of you who are not aware, it was built five minutes from my house at the University of Waterloo. Um, and I am the CEO and founder of Venusverse, which is Canada's first um, NFT collection, educational session. So we also have educational streams specifically for women getting into Web3 and Incubator, which will also be in the metaverse as well. So I uh, come from a background of tech within the last 10 years, especially I've been at Communitech um, and uh, had an immersive uh, background in tech with both startups and with innovation and digital transformation. And prior to that, I was at the University of Waterloo. Uh, and before that, basically just um, doing a, a lot of fundraising and nonprofit management and uh, business development across the US and the world, to be, uh, to be completely honest, between the Middle East um, uh, Europe and U.S. and Canada. Amazing. Let's go to Pierre. Hi, everyone. Um, my name is uh, Pedro Perez. Um, I'm currently the uh, founder and CEO of uh, Metacampus. I've been working in the digital space for almost 25 years now. Uh, in the last 10 years, uh, in my previous company, we've been building uh, virtual reality applications for brands and uh, social goods. Uh, from all, all over the world, from the World Bank to Nike and Apple. Um, and last year, you know, decided to uh, jump in into Web3. As we see, this is uh, the biggest uh, social revolution that, uh, that is ahead of us. Uh, more than a tech revolution, we understand this as a, as a social revolution and a time for um, doing, you know, a building a better uh, digital society for, uh, for the future. And at Metacampus, um, we help uh, professionals and brands to fully grasp the Web3 culture. And uh, really, we're trying to decentralize the professional mindset, uh, helping them to build uh, new, uh, more um, uh, shared business models, you know, and really add value to a community and see how they can actually uh, transform uh, their company, you know, as an evolution of the digital transformation we've seen from the last 10 years into the future decentralization services. Thank you, amazing. Let's head to UK and meet Naveen. Hello everyone, thanks for having me. Um, I'm not on holiday either, I'm afraid. I've been doing childcare this week, so I'm, I'm, uh, my, my mind's a bit erratic all over the place. But uh, I'm in the process of developing a platform to store fidgetals, luxury fidgetals in specific. So. Um, it's, it's storing fidgetals with the added utility of asset management, very typical asset management, um, and then taking it a step further to uh, offer a marketplace to. I'm probably the least techie person here, I think, today on the panel. I think we discovered that before we came on and I couldn't work out how to, to work my background. So um, the advantages that has, though, is I, I, you know, in these sort of scenarios, I'm the one that asks the really stupid basic questions and I answer the questions in a really basic way as well right and and, and I often think that that's kind of how our consumers um, need to be switched onto this space yeah Naveen you're doing fine if that makes you feel better uh, Sorry. Well, I mean I unmuted myself did I that's good <laughs> all right uh, do uh, so I may request the panelists to share their LinkedIn profiles uh, in the chat so our audience can connect with you so let's start from the very beginning. Let's start with definitions. You know, what is web one? What is web two? What is web three? Let's not assume that everybody knows all of it. So in terms of definitions, I want to share my experience in a bit. Um, I dared to prepare a web three glossary some six weeks back and came up with 50 odd terms, which I put out there. Got a lot of traction and, you know, uh, people uh, kind of liked what we were doing. And then I realized funnily that you know, when I went to do an update, which was last week, it went to 175 pages. So 50 terms to 175 in six weeks, a real story. That's how fast this industry is moving. You blink and you miss it. So here's the deal, audience. Please, uh, you know, continue to learn. There are a lot of resources out there. There are a lot of good people and communities you need to attach yourself to and you got to learn continuously. So I've shared already in the chat, the link to the glossary, which I have now promised to update every four weeks. So we will try and keep you up to speed. 
So uh, let's start again with the definitions. I'm going to go to Laura Pan because, you know, this is what she teaches. This is her day job. She is teaching students in a university in Italy all about Web3. So let her educate us on the evolution of the internet, how it started and where we are today. And Laura, your challenge is to do it in two to three minutes flat. Okay, I'll try. So generally, I would try to make, break this down as basic as possible. So um, we obviously know the internet, but the internet has, um, in a few years, developed very different iterations. The very first one is what we call Web 1. It was something um, that we experienced in the 1990s. Um, this is basically a static website where you read information. Uh, most of the time, the information is downloaded from somewhere and then it's put onto the website. You are not allowed to basically share your opinions or add on to it. So a great example of this is um, Britannica. So Britannica is kind of like an encyclopedia um, back then, um, and you were able to kind of get information from there. And then in the 2000s, we kind of developed a um, second iteration of the internet. And this is what we now call Web2. Web2 is um, what we're experiencing now, and it's a read-write kind of situation. Um, you're able to read information, absorb them, but also you can also contribute and share. Um, and this really uh, created what we call the sharing economy. So we have influencers now, we have um, people who write blogs, for example, and this is, um, and they're able to share. But at the same time, a lot of this is centralized, right? So we look at companies like, um, for example, Instagram or uh, WhatsApp or um, Facebook, all of that is owned by Meta. Um, and so we don't really have much control over it. We're just contributing. Um, and the third iteration of the internet is kind of um, a liberation of, of, of all of the centralization where we move into decentralization. Um, and that kind of started around the 2020s. Um, Web3, which is now we're moving towards, um, is centered around decentralization, where you have the ability to have better control over um, the things you create. So you may create an artwork and you can launch it as an NFT. You can write a blog post and you can launch it as an NFT. Other people can kind of uh, contribute to it or also own pieces of your work. Um, and it's basically what we now know as the creator economy. So this is very, very general, but the word Web3 only uh, wasn't, uh, wasn't discovered um, in the last two years. Rather, it was kind of coined um, by Gavin Wood, uh, who was one of the founders or co-founders of the Ethereum network, as um, uh, Janelle has kind of mentioned. Um, and he mentioned this in 2014, if I'm not mistaken. Um, and basically, he talked about um, he believed that the internet today is predominantly controlled by the fangs, or now we call mangs because Facebook has changed itself to Meta. So it's um, uh, Meta, uh, Amazon, Alphabet, uh, and Google, just to give you an example. Um, and basically, his idea is that everything is centralized, controlled, and stored on their network. But when we talk about a decentralized network, it means that we, um, we will have more uh, democratic democratic vision of it, and we will have our um, access to our own um, creations. So just to give you a very, very good uh, and easy, simple example. So if you own an iPhone, right? Um, when you do your face recognition, all of that data of your facial um, data points, it's all stored on your personal iPhone. It's not stored in any of Apple's database. You can Google this yourself. And this is a good example of decentralization. Whereas recently, uh, MasterCard had announced that they were gonna allow facial recognition uh, biometrics to do uh, credit card transactions. Um, however, when you do that with MasterCard, they keep a lot of the data points of your face with a third party or with MasterCard themselves. So it's a centralized system. So you don't own your face uh, data points anymore when, you're, when you sign up to MasterCard's face recognition. But with an iPhone, you own it in your device. So if you want to have a good example of what it is decentralization and centralization, this is a good example of it. Um, 
to kind of move forward. So I hope this is kind of very yeah. simple and I'm keeping to the time. Yeah, just to summarize for our audience, web one was read only, web two was read and write, and web three, we can also own our own digital assets. So that's the big deal, owning, monetizing, and decentralization. Uh, Janelle, I'll go to you to add to that uh, definition of Web3. Sure. Yeah, no, Laura did a, an awesome job. But the one thing I would add is that um, to the point of being decentralized, it's very much a peer-to-peer -peer network. So not only with art and digital assets, but what we have the opportunity to do is actually create this world where we're all entrepreneurs, technically, uh, and we're all engaging peer-to-peer. -peer. So we don't have to necessarily go through any centralized entities. Uh, and we can work peer to peer um, to Laura's point. The one example I will also give, and I give this example fairly often, is a home in St. Petersburg, Florida was sold, uh, but the deed was listed as an NFT on the blockchain. So obviously when the NFT is listed on the blockchain, obviously that transaction's captured, it's cryptographically inscribed. There's no way to reverse it. It can't be tampered with. Um, but what they were able to do, and if any of you know the Western world and what the kind of hoops we have to jump through in order to get a home, you have to have, uh, you know, obviously the credit score, you have to go through the bank to get a loan, you have to go through a realtor, you have to go through lawyers. But what they were able to do is transact peer to peer. So the person who purchased the home purchased it as an NFT, the deed is an NFT, and the transaction went from one wallet, one digital wallet directly to the other digital wallet. So that's an example of how this new world has actually created uh, an economy where we all can participate. Um, the one thing I always like to add on to that is that we should all be participating for good. So clearly we have a bunch of systems right now across the globe, whether it's economic, social, political, they're simply just not working. They're just not working anymore. They're not, uh, the structures are dated in many different ways. Um, what Web3 has the ability to do is actually give us a chance to reset some of those systems and create better systems moving forward where we can all, we can all be more equitable, where we can um, share in our economy, where we can help each other. And that's the beauty of the spirit of Web3 is actually the communities that have been created and the people that are coming together to build these amazing um, new platforms or new, uh, new worlds to live in. So that's the other thing I would uh, add to Web3 is it's a chance to reset. It's a chance to embed ESG, environmental, social, and governance opportunities into everything we do. And that's how we should be thinking of it moving forward. Thank you, General. That's a great explanation. I'm going to go to Dr. Martha to explain to us what is the big deal about Web3? Yeah, I think uh, the two ladies have s said quite a lot already, um, which is very relevant and true and, and given amazing examples. So for me, also, it's important uh, that we know what is a metaverse and what is Web3, because quite often this gets mixed up. You have that also very often in your talks. So the, if we put it just into words, then I would say simplified. The metaverse is more about the experiences, and the experiences are not only the virtual, they're really interacting also with the real world. And Web3 is almost the underlying technology. We have heard about blockchain. We heard about NFTs, non-fungible tokens to being used. And a lot of that is, is basically also being used in the metaverse, but which doesn't mean it's only used there. So the example we heard before was the NFT for the house, for a real house. So there's a lot of interconnectivity between these two worlds and one benefits the other. And the opportunity we have here, and I think that's also what the, um, what previously was said, which I think is very important, is to have more inclusion, more inclusiveness. So if we think about dis disabled people, uh, how you can activate them, what they can do much more in the virtual world than they have done, you can serve uh, those people better, and they can participate. They even can exercise jobs. Yeah? So of all ages, that's, that's one point. And there are lots of other opportunities where we can be more inclusive and have also more opportunities for, in my space, also for people who are underbanked. But there is a lot of effort, I think, needed to get into this direction because, on the other hand, we have all the big techs which are trying to grab the market. And they are definitely like Meta is zero decentralized, is everything in their world. And they're trying to capture everything. And we have mentioned digital wallets. So they are now also developing a digital wallet where you certainly are the owner of the wallet, but 
you have the digital identity there, you can buy crypto, but with Meter in their ecosystem, I'm not quite sure how much you really own that. Uh, cool. Um, I'm going to go to Perez to ask you what, what are your students asking about Web3? Like what are the frequently asked questions? Um, right. So um, they they normally come to the program, you know, from um, you know from a no knowledge or you know a more like a reading knowledge from the uh, from the news, from the articles, especially on, on marketing uh, strategies and and campaigns. Um, what they um, they, uh, they don't um, have a clue at the beginning is actually the underlying culture that has been built with tokenized uh, communities uh, in Web3 and the decentralized brand economies. Also, um, the impact of uh, the new virtual brands that they're coming into the state and that they will be very shortly start becoming uh, strong competitors uh, for traditional brands. Um, because as Dr. Martha was uh, saying, um, if the metaverse, it is about the experiences, one of the differences between the digital uh, era that we come from of the e-commerce is that a lot of the trade, a lot of the consumption happens within those virtual environments. So you do have the circular economies uh, happening uh, there and there are uh, hardly any barriers of entry. So that means that uh, many uh, Web3 project creators can establish brands, can provide virtual services, can uh, generate uh, communities, um, and those become you know, the, the real uh, threat. So they're coming more from a marketing perspective on how we can uh, you know, bring our brands into the space. Uh, but what they uh, leave from there is fully understanding that, um, you know, um, this is actually, it is a part of a full digital transformation of the company. You need to get compliance involved. You need to get legal people involved. You need to get the finance people uh, involved. Um, because, you know, at the moment, a lot of the brands, they're not even able to uh, register their um, ENS domains, you know, their domains because they don't have a digital wallet. They don't have uh, crypto, you know, they're not prepared. You know, and when, um, you know, the biggest issues that they have normally with uh, creating campaigns in uh, decentralized um, virtual platforms like uh, Sandbox or Decentraland is who buys that virtual land. You know, they're not uh, ready, you know, to hold some of those assets. They're, even the agencies, uh, for them, you know, they struggle because that is like giving financial advice to the clients. Uh, so those issues, the marketing departments, they need to work very, very closely with the um, uh, operational sides um, and more also with the privacy uh, that is more important now with um, with Web3, decentralized identities. You're going to need to start recruiting people to help you either audit your smart contracts or, uh, you know, giving you a hand to complement the project that they're not uh, dogs. You know, there are profiles, you know, there are wallets um, and they do have the credibility in the industry. But uh, even from a, a compliance perspective, you know, um, how do you uh, convert your business so that rather than having a huge uh, supplier uh, form, uh, you're actually able to start working with people without knowing their uh, personal details. So that's, you know, the, the biggest question is more, uh, uh, we came here more at trying to see this as a, as a marketing campaign, but this is not a marketing campaign. This is uh, actually, we need to transform our, our businesses. Yeah, super. I've said this many times that, you know, Web3 is not only about technology, it's also about the mindset. Uh, and for brand leaders, you know, you can't succeed in Web3 with a Web2 mindset. You've got to start thinking collaboration, community, not just competition. Uh, this leads me to my next uh, question to Naveen. So Naveen, I want you to share your views on you know, the opportunities and challenges that you are facing in setting up your Web3 business. So if you can talk about two challenges and that big opportunity that you see for yourself in your space, I'm sure our audience is interested in hearing your story. Yeah, I mean, there's, uh, when you sort of compare it to, you know, why brands would jump into this space and, 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 I ask myself the same question, why am I transitioning into a completely different industry into Web3? There's there's a lot of opportunities here. There's there's the one aspect, which is that there's a, a huge cultural shift and we can all see the benefits behind it. Um, 
And oh, one second. Sorry, Sherrod, can I just go for one second, please? Yeah, absolutely. Sorry. I'll fill in for you till you are back. Thank you. Yeah, cool. So uh, the other thing, perhaps we can, uh, you know, change track uh, for a while. I want to talk a little bit about inclusivity because I see in the comments box, you know, there is traction, people believe in that. I also want to talk about gender parity because that's a subject I'm, uh, you know, talking a lot about in our webinars. I do find that a lot of women who are very deserving are kind of getting left behind because they feel blockchain is tech stuff or somehow, you know, it's all too technical. And I don't believe it is, right? Because there are enough blockchain programmers already out there. There are enough developers. We need leaders. We need leaders with a good head who can think of a business model, who can create a team around it and who can, you know, implement it right. And women are great through my own experience in terms of taking charge and making things happen. So I'm going to go to Janelle on her opinion on inclusivity and how this gender parity, this gender gap can be bridged. And we try to do it in our own way on all our panels. If you see, we always have more women than men. It's not coincidental, it's intentional. And we like to keep it that way. So over to you, Janelle. So Sharad, this is why you're an incredibly smart man. Obviously, you're very, very aware of the situation and very much um, trying to put women at the forefront. Because, um, yeah, to your point, we it's not that much of a shift. It's not. We always talk about a big shift from Web 2 to Web 3. It's honestly not that big of a shift if you think about it. Um, so the reason why I say that is, for example, our educational sessions for women in particular uh, is 75 minutes. And at the end of the 75 minutes, the most women walk out with an understanding of, okay, what is Web3, you know, from blockchain to NFTs to the, to the whole gamut, uh, digital wallets, all of it. Um, but they also have an understanding of how they can apply their skill set in Web2 to Web3, because it's not that big of a transition. And quite honestly, there needs to be both of them uh, in place right now. During the transition period, we need Web2 in order to transition to Web3. And so long as Web2 is enabling Web3, uh, that's what we really need to see more of. So it just has to be more of an enabler than kind of a sticking point. Um, but to your point about diversity and inclusion, you know, this is the thing with Web2, you know, just being in the tech industry for as long as I've been, uh, we've been trying to uh, rectify the situation of a lack of diversity from a female perspective, from an art perspective, from a cultural perspective for almost 20 years now, we still haven't been able to, to really scratch that surface. Web3 again is a chance to reset that and it is an early adopter stage right now, right now. So it's early enough where we can actually get the right players at the table and have a lot more inclusivity within, because Web3 is all about inclusivity, have a lot more inclusivity at the table and actually build something that's very different that actually solves the problem of the past. So that's the other thing I wanna to bring to everyone's attention with regards to Web3. Um, we, we should actually be thinking about solving societal problems. So if it's waste, uh, if it's uh, exclusivity, whatever these societal problems may be, we need the cognitive diversity at the table in order to solve these societal problems. So we need the female perspective. You know, we have men and women on this planet, both are equally incredibly important to everything we build because we're building for everybody, for humanity. So we have to have all the perspectives at the table. It's incredibly important. And not just men and women, obviously, there's also the arts and culture. Arts and culture is a very big deal to have at the table because that what that's what brings uh, you know the less tech world uh, with us and we have to bring that world with us because there's a lot of beauty in art there's a lot to share in art um and even if you think about um, um musicals i'm a massive fan of musicals i would love to see les mis as a musical in the metaverse one day that's accessible to everybody because everybody should have access to arts and culture and the metaverse is a way that we're going to be able to bridge these gaps globally as well so uh, it's a place where we can all come together, have meaningful discussions without the screen separating us. We can actually be sitting next to each other, having that conversation, enjoying being in the metaverse, but having some very, very meaningful conversations where everybody should be included. So the cognitive diversity piece is not a question in my opinion. It has to be there in order to build something that's meaningful and that's good and that will be good for everybody across the globe. We can't leave anybody behind. That's the whole idea. Thanks, General, for your insights. Um, I ditto that 100%. I second you on that. Uh, Naveen is back. He had some delivery at the door, he said. Uh, thanks, Naveen, for keeping it real. Thank you. My dog goes crazy every time someone approaches the front door. 
Um, we were talking about opportunities and uh, difficulties. I mean, for me, you know, having a completely non kind of non tech background is a is a real difficulty because, as you know from your glossary that you put together, there's so much jargon to learn. Um, you've only got to listen to, and I tune in for whatever reason. I tune into uh, Kevin Riedel's, um Friday night chats, discussions, and you know, I don't know half of what's what he's talking about, but I just find it super fascinating. And I've spoken to Kevin a couple of times, kind of off the off the forum. But there's loads to learn. I think for someone like myself, you know, in my forties, there's there's a really exciting opportunity to to get involved into the tech world, something that's never really appealed to me in a really meaningful way. And I think this technology delivers that, you know, blockchain technology alone, uh, which is obviously, as we know, one sphere of, of kind of Web3. It just has so many applications which uh, will benefit our lives moving forward. So that's why, um, and my project's based around authenticity, authenticity of assets. And I, you know, it was a real life situation that led me to kind of that eureka moment where I thought actually nothing like this, like this exists. And, um, and I see blockchain as being the bridge which kind of fills this gap at the moment. Yeah, cool. Uh, Dr. Martha, you want to add to uh, the business aspect of Web3, what should brands be doing to embrace Web3? Yeah, just maybe to add on to the previous one, not to the sure. inclusive factor, because I think we have explored that, but more about uh, all the tech jargon and so on. So I do think if we can all be a bit like Apple, where everything is so intuitive, and we have seen that actually in games. So Axie Infinity has been played by all generations in the Philippines. So if you look at some of the uh, families who have done it from 18, 90 to very, very young, just a, a one user account because they made their money with that. But you can see if you have something very, very easy and intuitive, you don't really have to worry about all the tech jargon. And I do think for brands, that's also one of the tasks to make it, to make this experience seamless, as we already say in the, in the digital transformation, but also for the metaverse and meaningful. So the question brands will need to ask themselves is what is the added value we have? Is it just... Uh, very fancy now to be in the metaverse, or can I actually add value to what I bring to customers? And that's for me the first and most important questions brands should raise, uh, ask themselves. And then also, as we have seen, for example, with Lego, Lego is, is brilliant because Lego, we all know when we were kids, and Lego has really the mindset of children education. And they traveled this to Minecraft. Minecraft, in my view, is one of the best virtual worlds because you can create there, you, you can work with others, you can connect. So it resembles very much like a little metaverse by itself. And everyone who has played uh, Minecraft, uh, myself not, but a lot of my nephews, and uh, in particular the, the boys, again, not the girls. Uh, but it is really about that point that Lego also has made. I want to educate children and I use all the tools in my environment. So they have Lego ideas so you can come up with your own ideas so that goes also towards creator economy like we see it now you bring everyone in and we have seen now nfts in the in a couple of last couple of months have been sold at tremendous prices but now people are giving nfts for free because they say the value of the nft you have seen that zero nft is more about creating derivatives and network effects so that all users become creators. So these kinds of things are beautiful. And we have spoken about Nike before. Nike is the one, in my view, who uh, they always have magic is in the air. And this is also what they live. So they're really trying to make your life enjoyable while it's also doing sports experiences in the metaverse, in virtual and real, and they combine it very nicely. So for me, this is an absolute showcase. If you look at Board Ape, they are amazing because they also created an ecosystem. Uh, but there is very much about the club. Yeah. So it's very much about not being inclusive, can also have a certain appeal for certain brands. But this is something maybe I personally find not that uh, interesting, but I find it on the other hand very interesting because they have all these cases in the ecosystem. Yeah, so they have the other side. They also provide for land. You can buy, you can build like in Roblox. Uh, they have 
also derivatives where you own it, you can play as a Hollywood star with your board ape. Uh, for people who don't know, this is funny board ape looking. So there are tons of use cases they have created and the core for that is really the community. And if we take this aspect of how to create a community, that's the second aspect for brands to think about. Today, community is the biggest asset you can have. Yes, we'll talk about community building in a bit. Naveen has his hand up, so I'm going to go to Naveen. Yeah, just an extension of what Dr. Martha was just saying, you know, uh, and what I was saying previously, like Web3, the technology behind it, although I don't know a lot about it, it, it kind of feeds into, it, it becomes an enabler for so much that brands are trying to achieve nowadays. So, you know, sustainability, for example, like every major band, brand on the planet is uh, working on the strategy to reduce their carbon emissions, whether they're doing it for the right reason or not is separate or are they doing it because it's trendy to do it um but everyone's working on it and 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 they want to be recognized as more sustainable when so you know we're moving from proof of work to proof of stake and i read an article uh yesterday actually about energy consumption of producing an nft how it's equivalent to like the average um american household for a day and it was kind of putting this bad spin on, on the production, on energy consumption of production of NFTs. But then when you look at that in the context of supply chain and you think, well, okay, but what's the energy consumption of producing, um, uh, I don't know, like a collection of clothes and shipping them around the world and then a percentage of those clothes having to end up in landfill because they're, they're not sold, you know? So I think there's a, there's a payoff there um but dr martha's right as well you know the relevance brands need to kind of get to know the consumer at a deeper level beyond the sort of the data points and the metrics um understanding some of the terminologies is, is important because whilst i don't understand all of it and a lot of consumers don't understand all of it there is the kind of buzzwords that we all kind of hear over and over again um so brands need to start using that as a transition from web two to web three in their in their kind of marketing strategy and yeah. and also starting to understand consumers kind of ethical stance uh, and their ability to accept the technology because again you know i always refer back to luxury but one thing i i keep asking myself is do uh, luxury consumers want to use web3 you know that they might know about it they might have no interest in using it so here's me kind of busy away you know busy building this platform this web3 platform for storing um luxury digitals but do do does my consumer want to use it and they're not going to want to use it if it's kind of you know connect your set up a metamask wallet connect it here and etc etc so it, there's a there's a there's a real kind of transition between web 2 and web 3 which um i think the diehard people are like yeah get rid of web 2 and we are fully web 3 yet but obviously as we know web 3 is dot 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 because it's still evolving um but from my perspective there's there's definitely uh we're definitely still more web 2 than web 3 because the technology's not keeping up with our aspirations we've got great aspirations about you know sitting down in the evening putting a headset on and going shopping in the metaverse whereas you can't really do that in in, in practice at the moment um intellectual property so again dr martha touched on the the legal aspect of it and there's uh uh, always refer back to luxury as i said but there's a nike versus stock x case which is i think still going on at the moment um about using uh the nike's trademark and capitalizing off nike's goodwill and you know i think there's lots of it's an interesting one actually because i i can't see the difference personally between that and having a shop and having a having a hoarding with a nike logo on it but um it's because it's a new space it's untested it's it, you know brands are able to to kind of test those those uh, principles now and then finally i think strategy um the, the 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 brands that are kind of i mean like tiffany and co made 13 million off a collection last week or week before last yeah and that's quite appealing you know for a brand to say well look we can make near on between 10 and 20 million by by doing an nft collection but um not having that kind of longer term digital roadmap and and seeing how that collection fits into the to the to the dna of the brand i think especially luxury because lux so much of luxury usp is built on the brand's dna is it could be quite damaging so it just has to be done kind of holistically yeah 
Okay, uh, I see that Laura and Janelle have their hands up. So I'm gonna to go to Laura first and then to Janelle. I'm just gonna be very quick. I think uh, Naveen kind of pointed out something that was really interesting and something that we have to talk about also. Um, there are some Web3 people um, who are loud voices, obviously, uh, on LinkedIn and so on and so forth. And often I always hear this where they said, um, if a good Web3 strategy is when the people who are using Web3 don't actually know they're using Web3. Um, and I don't agree with that at all. I think that um, a lot of blockchain technology, especially with decentralization, you have to at some point know something about the technology. Because for example, when I first started using uh, my crypto wallet to buy digital assets, I've got scammed a few times, okay, um, because I sent the, um, the crypto, crypto to a wrong ass, for example, and I'm scrambling, trying to figure out, like, did I do it wrong, or did I actually did it correctly, and I'm trying to figure out how am I supposed to get like a refund of a wrong transaction. And a lot of the times, and if you ask a lot of blockchain experts, these things aren't trackable. You, I mean, you can't actually get a refund because everything is decentralized. Uh, once the transaction has been approved, the only way to contact the person who you sent the wrong crypto to, you have to send another coded, um, uh, coded message in another crypto transaction to have that refund back. So in a way, the user experience is still lacking. And if you don't have a little bit of understanding of how the technology works and how the technology is built upon, I think it's very, very um, disingenuous to say that, oh, the best Web3 strategy is when your customers don't know you're using Web3. I, I don't agree with that at all. I think that um, I think that at some point, people will need that education, will need to learn how to use a crypto wallet, uh, how to make a transaction, what does a transaction mean, uh, what if you do a, make a mistake, and how does it work, and so on and so forth. So, yeah, yeah I think maybe... Well taken, well taken, and, and to be fair to Web3, you know, everything is so new, it's evolving, it'll take time to mature, UI, UX interface is poor, uh, but again, you know, it's early days, so... Uh, it's good to be leading the space. And I actually want to applaud uh, all the members of our audience. We have 108 in the room. Uh, clearly, all of you are leaders because you, know, you are participating in this discussion. And uh, I'm guessing it's a couple of years before Metaverse, Web3, NFT will be mainstream. And these meetings already are being held in the Metaverse instead of on Zoom. Zoom, I consider Web2. Metaverse events are Web3. You can have avatars, you can have interactions, you can have chill out zones, you can have networking lounges. Everything is coming to life. Uh, I'm going to go to Janelle. Uh, Janelle, um, I also want you to talk about your experience with NFTs because you know a thing or two having launched your own collection. So I want to know uh, what success you are having with that and what's your long-term vision. Sure. Yeah, a couple things. I want to touch on what Laura had just mentioned and also on something that Naveen had mentioned too. So Laura, 100% agree with you. Nothing jump makes your heart jump out of your chest more than transferring from one digital wallet to another, knowing that anything, nothing can be changed. But actually, that's what women come to us with. That's actually probably the sticking point and actually being able to walk them through how to set up a digital wallet and how to transact is actually a very big deal because that's the first uh, step in, in, into getting into this world. So um, it, is, it is a very big sticking point that we try to solve uh, through our sessions as well. Naveen, you mentioned something about energy. You know, I always bring this up. What about travel? <laughs> Why are we talking about how much energy and CO2 emit carbon emissions is uh, emitted into the atmosphere when we travel by plane? That is one thing that the metaverse will be able to help solve. Obviously, there's energy being emitted there too, but it's a matter of good energy that we need versus bad energy that's going to hurt in our, our environment. And as Sherrod mentioned, we're so early uh, in all of this that um, there will be solutions for it. We should be building uh, solutions for it. And if you're a big brand thinking of entering into the space, the one thing you should be mindful of is not just obviously how you can uh, help accelerate your business. How can you help through the business, obviously, that you have 
um, solve some of these societal problems. For example, if you're an oil and gas company, you're moving into Web3, first thing you should be thinking about is CO2 emissions and how to solve for that problem. That is obviously something that's, that's you know, very much uh, taunting uh, the, the energy industry. So these are opportunities. I see them as opportunities to do better uh, in the world of Web3. Uh, and then the IP uh, issues. So obviously NFTs, the beauty behind NFTs, it started as art. I always talk about it, how it started as art because art started a lot of historical revolutions, if you think about it, but now it's moved to the art of the possible. So with regards to NFTs, it's an authenticity process. So not just art, it'll be used for everything. Um, Time Magazine has issued their first magazine on the blockchain. This is an example of where we're gonna go with magazines, with books, um, with marketplaces are gonna be very different. Insurance companies are gonna be issuing NFTs for our belongings on their own blockchain eventually. These will all start happening. Um, so from an IP and a rights perspective, that's the whole idea behind it. The whole idea is to tie this digital asset to someone. And that's what we should be thinking about. How can we use these digital assets to tie um, ownership or authenticity to a person or, or thing. Um, with regards to my NFT collection, so I did it very differently. Uh, so our collection is, is intended to be much more of a long-term vision. The idea is, uh, so first and foremost, I actually got it authenticated by a third party. Uh, so I went through a company called Eureka, which is a local Web3 startup here in the Waterloo region, but their whole mission is to authenticate art. Um, it, uh, obviously, artists, you know, the authentication is established on the blockchain, provenance is established on the blockchain, but what they've done is actually go through our art because it's all been digitally hand-drawn, uh, and I'll explain a little bit more about that, and authenticated that it's our art. So to Mar Dr. Martha's point about the, the apes, you know, and, and, and the board apes, if you see, there's been a lot of scams and derivatives from a lot of these bit, very big collection because they, they're using generative art, but what they're doing is stripping layers of certain art and they're reusing uh, those layers to generate new art. So what I've done is actually gone through a process where um, authenticity is tied back to our collection. Um, so we actually launched 2022 NFTs. And it's on OpenSea, it's on our website as well. The idea behind it is to enable women into the world of Web3, um, but anybody obviously is welcome to be a part of our community. Uh, we are building our community, but organically doing, doing so. And the idea is that 10% of these proceeds would also go towards supporting an organization here in Canada called Civic Action. Uh, to help empower female leaders. So civic action helps to build um, more inclusive and diverse cities. So obviously I want more female leaders. So we're helping to enable that as well. Um, but it's also, we're building a very unique community uh, for women to transact um, and to have uh, a leg up. I can't give up, give up too much information before the big reveal. Uh, a leg up uh, when when interacting with each other and transacting with one another. And then it would also give visibility into the incubator that we're building as well. So um, for a lot of these collections, you know, the whole idea back then was build up the hype, build up the hype on Discord, which I have chosen not to do, uh, and then launch and then you, you sell out in, in uh, days or minutes or whatever it might be. That to me is not the way I wanted to go. We wanted to obviously build our community and have more of a long-term vision because what the bear market has done is pushed a lot of these actors who built their uh, collection based on hype right out the door um, because no one's showing up right now. So uh, that is the beauty of actually what we're going through right now. The bear market is a chance to put, push out all the bad actors, all the ones who are not there with the right intentions and uh, to enable those who wanna build to build more at this time. You're on mute, Sharad. Yeah, sorry. Uh, great insights, uh, Janelle. Uh, there's a question from Aditya uh, Manny, who's a friend of ours in the community. Uh, he wants to know from the panelists what you think about custodial wallets. Who wants to take that question? Janelle? Yeah, sure. I can, I can start. Um, look, I think I don't know that, and, and I talk about uh, Web3 centering the tech around the human as opposed to the human working for the tech. Um, you know, if we can if we can figure that out, I think that's that's a big deal. But I don't think any one industry or any one organization needs to be pushed out during Web3. We just have to pivot our mindset and figure out how to work very differently. So with regards to custodial wallets, if you think about the older demographic, for example, 
um, they're going to have a hard time moving into this space if it's not, you know, maybe through a bank, hypothetically, um, you know, and if I have certain crypto assets that I don't want to have stored on my hard wallet that I would rather store with a bank that's a crypto asset that, you know what, it might be an opportunity to have them kind of come in. This is what they do. They do cyber. <laughs> they do security. They do cyber. The idea is not to wash uh, any one industry out necessarily. It's to get them to pivot their mindset. So I don't know that it's necessarily a bad thing. I have a, a view on um, if we're all building and building for the right reasons, and we should all be at the table. And the role of government, I know a lot of people have very strong views of government in the world of Web3. I personally think we need government in Web3 to help with regulation, to help with framework. We need these uh, systems in place to help push out the bad actors because there are bad actors right now and there will be until there's regulation. And we absolutely need to get to a place where we can interact easily without uh, worrying about having bad actors in the space with us necessarily. So that's my personal take. Uh, I don't know if any of the other panelists feel any differently. No, I think you've answered it pretty well. And also I want to highlight, there have been a lot of questions in the chat, which I see are being answered by our panelists as we go along. Uh, Christina, who's also a friend of the show, wants us to comment about this guy called Jack, who's talking about Web5. I, I think you know who I'm referring to. Does anybody care to comment on that? I mean, I don't understand too much about Web5 because I'm still struggling with Web3. Uh, but hey, anybody in the panel wants to comment on that? Uh, you can now, now is your time. Any any takes on Web5? I'll, I'll do it. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, Web five is more. Oh, no, okay, sorry about this. And yeah. we can we can combine because again, if we define those things which don't exist, then uh, you can ask five people, and yeah, they have five plenty of answers. Yeah. So just for the audience, Jack Dorsey is uh, the previous CEO of Twitter. He's now the CEO of a company called The Block. So he has now raised in June, I believe, that he is uh, directly moving to Web five. And if you see the evolution which Sharad described from now we own, then it's the next evolution is the web of thoughts, the emotional web, uh, which he is not really describing. But this is the a natural evolution. And Sharad, as you said, we are not even fully at web three and we don't know exactly web four. And now it's web five. So it's something also he was trying to describe with uh, digital identity, which is more kind of Web3. So a lot of people have also criticized him and said, okay, you know, what is so different from Web3 if you really have a fully blown Web3? And I would say we can expect that Web3 will develop further, that everything is connected. We see that with the Internet of Things, which you probably, I mean, you, the tech expert will talk about. We see, we see that with everything, but there are very nice also graphics to show this evolution from the inner circle web one, web two, web three, web four, which is basically thoughts, emotions connected. So think about all the science fiction movies you have seen where everything is interconnected and you teleport and you don't need a uh, real, yeah, I mean, you need infrastructure, but not that you see it there. Yeah. So yeah. over thanks, to you. Uh, thanks, doctor. Uh, that was a good explanation. Uh, before I come to Perez, he has his hands up. I'm going to request our audience to put in the chat where you think you are uh, from zero to 10 scale in terms of your knowledge about Web3. Some of you I know had, uh, you know, earlier told us where you were. I'm very keen to know how people are progressing. Uh, Naveen, I, I saw your answer. You're kidding. All right. So let's go to uh, Paris. Yes, thank you. I think this is actually part of the problem, you know, the terminology or what is uh, Web3 or, um, or Web5 or the metaverse, you know, um, my kids, they're teenagers, they, they don't think of the metaverse, but they're users of, you know, um, immersive social platforms. And uh, and um, and I think that's um, we need to move away from being so strict or so purist about the terminology, and uh, but actually focus on the uh, importance of uh, the value of using applying that technology. And what Laura was saying, okay, I do understand that people, um, they need to be aware of the risks of using this technology. We need is our, let's say, obligation to help them, you know, um, navigate in a secure, a safe uh, way. Um, and that because there is a lot of scams, there's a lot of uh, rugs. So uh, actually it is a minefield. 
um, but they don't uh, users if users need to be too techy to to use the potential benefits of web3 we're not never going to get mass adoption uh, so the user um, the ux uh, the user experience the actual um, uh, helping them navigate safely making things a lot more accessible and focusing on the benefits rather than the actual tech uh, is what uh, will actually help you know um, the decentralized internet to become part of our, our daily lives. Yeah, that's a great summary, Perez. And now, uh, since we are just four minutes away from closing time, I'm going to go around the room for your closing remarks, starting with Laura Penn, 60 seconds only. Laura, closing oh, thoughts. <laughs> Um, so I think, generally speaking, uh, Web3 is definitely, um, from my point of view, at the very early development and adoption phase, there is still a lot to do, a lot to learn. Um, there are some great companies that are engaging in Web3 and they're trying really hard. Um, but, uh, and, and I think uh, some of the easiest of execution is with uh, NFTs or with connecting uh, crypto wallets either to um, do sales in, in uh, cryptocurrencies or also token gating where it allows you to access certain benefits through owning certain tokens. Um, blockchain technology is obviously developing and uh, it, it's, it's, it's been around for a long time, but people just don't quite understand it. I totally agree with Pere in the sense that it's something that um, we kind of have to understand in terms of the risks, uh, but not really the technology, because I don't expect everyone to know blockchain. I mean, when I talk to my father, he knows a little bit of how blockchain works and the concept of it, but he doesn't have to know the, how to use Solidity to go on Ethereum and so on and so forth, for example. Um, I think we didn't talk about DAOs, but we would love to talk about that in the future. Um, but then we also talked about gaming. So generally speaking, I think we've talked about a lot of different um, things that companies can do to start um, getting themselves familiar with Web3. And I hope that a lot of what we talked about uh, is something that is going to inspire you to do a little bit more research. And obviously, you can definitely connect with us um, to find out more. I have uh, one more last tip. Um, if you don't use Twitter, I strongly recommend you to download Twitter. And if you want to learn more about Web3, there are, uh, there, is, there are a few people to follow, but there is one person that I really want to kind of push forward because I've learned quite a lot from this person. Um, and his Twitter handle is very funny. It's NFT God. So it's basically if you go into the search bar and you go to NFT underscore God or just NFT God, you'll find him and he'll tell you and also give you a roadmap as to how to start your career in NFTs or Web3 and kind of learn a little bit more. He also has a really wonderful thread and links to all these different resources. And so if you don't have Twitter, download it today and, uh, and basically follow NFT God. Thank you, Laura. That's useful. I'm going to do that after this show. Follow Twitter. God, NFT God. Sorry. Yeah. Uh, Janelle, uh, closing thoughts. Sure. Yes. So I think I'm just going to reiterate some of the things I've already said. Um, so this is an opportunity for all of us. And I do want to encourage us all to be thinking very differently, develop different mindsets around uh, you know, the world that we've entered into. The tech is here, no matter how much people try to debunk it or you know, say that it's here, you know, temporarily, it's here to stay. We already know that it's here. People are using it. We might as well use it to build something better. Um, it shouldn't go anywhere, to be completely honest with you. And, and a lot of us won't let it go anywhere just because it's incredible tech and it is going to change the way we live, the way we interact. Uh, and we should use this opportunity not only to build better systems and ecosystems within uh, our environment, our countries, but across the globe. So I do want to encourage that as well. Uh, and I completely agree with the other panelists with regards to just adding another layer of Web5 or whatever that might be. We, we don't even need to be thinking about that stuff right now. We just need to be thinking yeah. about how can we actually get into the world of Web3? That is the tech that we have. That is the tech that we're using. And it's incredible. So um, here to help in any way. Obviously, I'll put in my uh, our, our company um address here as well, please reach out to us, especially if you're a woman trying to get into uh, the Web3 world or understand what it's about, please do sign up for our sessions. Uh, and then if you're interested in our collection, that's also on our website. And then our incubator is to be announced soon. There'll be a, a, some new announcements coming our way. 
So thank you very much, Sherrod, for having me on this panel. Absolutely. Dr. Martha, your closing comments, please. Yeah, thanks a lot. I make it very short, uh, also as a recommendation to the people who are on the call, uh, that every one of you should try and fail, but never fail to try. So it's very important that you experience. And obviously, we are all here on the panel there to help you with that. We give you resources uh, you can link to. And I don't want to miss to say you can also come to our events of the Metaverse Academy Experience Spatial, as I said at the beginning, or do some of the classes. We have a Web3 uh, strategist. Uh, we have all classes. And we always love, love to hear your views and engage with you it's in the Metaverse. So you, you can listen to resources, which we share anywhere. Uh, anyway, but I think try it. Try it out like you did today. It was very brave of some of you. I've seen someone had minus 10. Uh, I find it amazing and fantastic that you were joining us. So thanks a lot and very much looking forward working with all of you in the future. Naveen, you have the last word. Perez, uh, you got your closing comments or should I come back to you? Uh, yep. Uh, yeah, but... so let, let's do Naveen and let's go to Perez. Naveen, 60 seconds, please. Can I just use my 60 seconds to answer the question that's been asked of me? Yes, absolutely. Luar Furnish, you said, um, do you see virtual apparel trump, trumping physical apparel in de desirability? Uh, she recalls an Adidas sneaker being sold out in China during the pandemic lockdown. And I think my, my thoughts on this kind of sum up my opinion of the space at the moment, really. Um, I think if, if, if the digital has a link to a physical, then um, it has value. I think if it unlocks... Uh, features uh, to like, you know, I don't know, limited drops, et cetera, then it has features. I think digital alone apparel at this stage in time, in 10 years time, my answer would be different. But at this stage in time, like we've had, had meetings in spatial, right? We had a meeting in spatial last week and this is a lot easier. Like I love the metaverse, but it's glitchy. And we, I'm not saying this to be, to, to make a funny comment, but we had our, a, meta, a, a meditation session last week in spatial and it was the most stressful thing ever for me because I, I was clicking on the video and I couldn't get in and all these people around me like you know chilling out because apparently there's a video playing which I can get access to and so you know it was really for me like the meetings I've had in spatial have been quite glitchy I love the environment especially when I put a, uh, AR goggles on it's just you know, the immersiveness is incredible but this is still a lot easier for me so so digital only apparel um one day it's going to be yeah great right now i'd rather wear them on my feet to be honest yeah thanks naveen uh, naveen you're in a bit of a soup because oliver is in the room and he heard your comments about meditation in the middle no, no. so no, oliver i'm sure it would have been i'm sure it would have been super relaxed but i couldn't get access to the video. okay on that note let's go to perez and then we'll wind up perez uh, right. So my advice for uh, brands and professionals is, uh, okay, don't treat this as a campaign. Uh, don't treat this as a way of uh, grabbing a headline. Um, do get yourself trained, do some learning, um, you know, before you go into it. Because once you, um, you know, start building a community in Web3, it is for the long term. But at the same time, um, be aware that uh, we will no longer have the luxury of 20 years for digital transformation. The space, um, you know, business is going to change so rapidly. Uh, it is already changing very rapidly. Uh, so, yes, well, you have to uh, learn and you have to think about what is your strategy going there. Um, you need to start exploring this, uh, you know, uh, very soon. And I see it for everyone else is our last chance to create a better um, digital society for everyone. There is a better way of doing business. You know, don't be afraid of shared value models. Um, don't be afraid of, you know, um, uh, really opening your minds about the potential benefits of the, our future decentralized society. Thank you, the yeah, it's time to say all the thank yous. And I see Naveen, you are patching up with Oliver in the chat, which is good. All right. So on a serious note, uh, well, we've had an engaging uh, conversation, to say the least. Uh, so many learnings, so many takeaways. Uh, a note for the audience on the housekeeping part, there will be a recording and a podcast of this webinar available uh, tomorrow, same time on onlywebinars.com. Uh, do register for our next webinar, which is happening on 23rd August. We have a new panel, a new topic, and we are going to discuss about the metaverse, how we can build it ethical and all inclusive. And uh, so do join us uh, then again. 
And I want to guide our audience towards this post that came up a couple of days back on LinkedIn by a dear friend of mine. His name is Jamie Brett. Uh, he's from UK, runs a company called Merahab. I'm like giving him a shout out. His post is entitled, Web 2 was about trust. Web 3 is all about truth. I encourage you to find this post on LinkedIn, read up on this and follow Jamie Brett to stay in touch with all the you know, latest stuff that's happening in this space. On that note, I want to thank each one of my panelists, Laura Pan, Janelle Shalui, Dr. Martha Bokenfeld, Naveen Semi, Perez Nino. Thank you for your contribution. See you on the other side. And thank you, audience, for being here and investing your 65 minutes with us. Bye for now and cheers. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Super interesting. Bye-bye.